Hello, language hackers. Welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast with me, Elizabeth Bruckner, and of course, Benny Lewis. In this episode, we shift gears and focus on culture hacking. Language and culture are intertwined. In order to better connect with native speakers, you need to speak their cultural language too. This discussion will give insight to learners of all languages. Today, we are talking with Lizzie Remington about the stereotypes of Parisians not wanting to speak to foreigners in French. She helps us understand how to break through the resistance that can sometimes be felt and how to overcome some of the cultural differences you might face so that you can have meaningful interactions when you're learning the language. Some of the things we discuss are the importance of integrating into French culture, understanding the French sense of humor, the level of formality and humility required when speaking French, being a vegetarian and speaking to a waiter in France, how and when to shift from vous to tu, the value of enthusiasm, and much more. We really hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, you can let us know by leaving a review and telling us what's working for you at languagehacking.com forward slash review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button and tell us what topics you'd like us to cover in the comment section. We love hearing from you and we read every single review. Now for the interview with Lizzie. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 44. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. And I'm joined with uh, my co-host, Elizabeth. And uh, how are you doing today, Elizabeth? I'm doing great. Thanks, Benny. And uh, can you introduce who we're chatting to? Yes, I am very excited to be speaking with my French cultural guru, Lizzie Remington. Um, seriously, she is my mentor in terms of all things French and how did I get in good with the French folks. And so I thought for language learners, a lot of times I hear a lot of students in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge uh, that I help coach. I hear folks saying, oh, I went to the country and no one would speak to me and it was horrible and I'm such a beginner and they made fun of me. And then I walked down the street with Lizzie in France and Paris. And it, it was basically a parade. Like people were, you know, high-fiving her in, in the French way, which means they make a little tiny smile and they say hello. And she knew everyone's name and they loved talking to her. And I said, Lizzie, I need to know what all these secrets are. And so she taught me. And because of that, I've been invited to dinner parties and I've made good friends in, in France. And I wanted to break down some of those stereotypes by talking to Lizzie about how she did it. So welcome, Lizzie. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here and I'm lovely to meet Benny. Yeah, I have two of my favorite people here. I guess we'll kick things off by finding out how did your story with French begin? What's the background there? Well, um, I started learning French at school um, and was actually my first French words were piscine, which is swimming pool. And that was because my sisters wanted to go to the swimming pool and I was too little to go. And so my mother used to use the word piscine. And I think that started the mystery of the language for me. And I studied it um, up until eight, A level, which in the UK is 18. And I had a very, very, um, good grammatical basis, and uh, but I had very literary French. And uh, unfortunately, I spoke French like a grandma, but I didn't really, so I didn't really speak it fluently. And I certainly couldn't understand TV and I didn't understand what most people said. 
And then a few years later, I went to be an au pair. When I was 21, I went to be an au pair in France. And there I learned to ski and did everything in French, only French. And so after three and a half months, that really kicked in my French speaking and um, un cultural understanding, I think, that started that off. And then a few years later, when I was 25, um, I was employed in a summer job to go and buy houses in the north of France um, when they were building the Channel Tunnel. And that's where it really, and I, that was in 1988, and I've lived in France ever since. And uh, I just have, I, I hated the French to begin with, didn't really want to be there. And, uh, and, and now I would find it very difficult not to be in France. How many years have you lived there now? Uh, well, since 1988. So, I mean, it's coming up for, uh, ooh, I can't even count now. And what is it? 20, 30, nearly 30, 30 years or something. 33 years, I think. And see, I think the best part about the story is very Benny-esque because, Benny, didn't you go to Spain to do something similar? You were going to be in Spain. You were going to learn Spanish. And you did the exact opposite of Lizzie. How, how is your story different than Lizzie's story? Well, I mean, for me, it was all about just, I, I know culturally there's a very big difference between Spain and France for sure. And uh, for me, I immersed myself with speaking with Spaniards right from the start. And I did not have any background really uh, from schooling with the language. So in a way that was sort of an advantage because I didn't feel held back by, you know, maybe the grammar that I could have been learning. So that kind of kicked things off with me in a different direction. But I'm uh, definitely curious to hear about our different experiences in France, because I know um, you talk about the, uh, the the cultural side and how you've integrated it into that. And that for me was a big struggle in, in particular with France, because I've dealt with a lot of languages. I've tried to integrate myself into a lot of cultures. But uh, when I was trying to uh, integrate myself into France, I found more resistance than in particular in Paris, not so much so in other parts of France. And I think my experience kind of um, trying to realize why they were resistant to me speaking French. And I'm very curious to hear what your experience with that was. So how did you push through that? Um, like, and I'm I'd be curious to hear what are your thoughts on this resistance that uh, French people may have with people who are learning their language? Well, I, I'm, I suppose it's a little bit of a mystery in some ways, but um, my view on this is that I'm very active and very proactive. So I think that I have a view about the French and I think that the French are unbelievably friendly and nice. But first of all, they're a little bit standoffish. They like to get a view of you, um, first of all. So I've always said, you know, go back to regularly to the same places so that people become familiar with you. And I will tend to ruffle the French's feathers a bit. And I think the other thing is that I'm unbelievably polite. I was taught very early on when I was there that um, the French are real sticklers for etiquette. And um, I know that French people have often said to me, oh, that's not true. That's not true. But it is. <laughs> and what happens is that I will always say to somebody, bonjour, madame. And I don't just say bonjour. I always say bonjour, madame. 
And it's instead of saying hello, it's always hello, madame, and then au revoir, madame, goodbye. And it's au revoir, monsieur, bonjour, monsieur, merci, monsieur. And that really sets you apart from the crowd because they automatically, they sort of, it's like their little ears prick up and they're sort of going, oh, she's not the usual tourist who has no idea how to behave. And the French love foreigners. I mean, they're really curious and they all love having, you know, love, oh, my, my, my friend Elizabeth or Lizzie, who is English, they all love it. And I've just always found that that has, um, uh, through that politeness, and it sounds like such a basic thing, but I've just found it's the thing that is the magic key. Yeah, the magic key, I would say, for most Americans, we, we, we don't understand is saying bonjour to start a conversation and waiting for the response. So I read it in The Bonjour Effect, which is a book written by uh, two Canadians that lived in France for about five years. And this was before I met you, Lizzie. They said, you got to say bonjour. Now I say bonjour, madame and monsieur, because that's what you had mentioned for me to do. They say, you have to wait, you have to say it, and then you have to pause. So for example, when I'm in the US and I go into a store, I don't say hello and then just stare at someone oddly. They would think I was either a little bit off my rocker or potentially um, going to steal something like suspicious. It's weird to just pause. You walk in and you go, hi, I'm looking for um, the restrooms or hi, I want a black shirt. Do you, could you point me to them? In France, that's not how it works. You have to say bonjour, madame, and then you wait, you pause. And then they initiate the conversation, bonjour, and it kind of means like, hey, I'm receptive. Thank you for respecting me. If you don't do that, if you say bonjour, je voudrais, and you know, you go off saying the things that you want, it's kind of like an American going into a store and going, yeah, hey, um, uh, what about a shirt? Yeah, what about a shirt? And so the French are kind of taken aback because what we consider polite is not polite for them. And when I started doing that one little trick, bonjour, madame, and just waiting, it's like a whole new world opened up. When you, um, Lizzie, I've noticed that when we walk down the street where you live, as we're walking by restaurants, if you step foot on their outside seating area, you always make a point of looking into the restaurant and going, bonjour, monsieur, and you continue walking. Can you tell me why you do that? Because that's another tip that I've used that have helped me make a lot of friends in France. Well, I think one of the things is, is that everybody in the area knows me. So if I see somebody, I, I have to say bonjour to them. I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's just such, and they enjoy it. It's a sort of like, it's a sort of rather like, it, it just brings in a really strong sense of community, which I think the French very much have a sense of community. And they also, the other thing that I think people don't realize quite often is that the French have a great sense of humor. So um, I love provoking people and teasing them. And so the fact that, and, and I've been invited to so many dinners and parties and things like that because I tease them and uh, they love it. And I don't sit there. I was go. they was, I mean, it's like one day in France, they call the English, they call England Perfide Albion, which is, the perfidious Albion, which was the old name for England. And I went to this party and introduced myself as Perfidia. And they were all, ah, ha, 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 ha. they thought this was hilarious because it's just that they, I'm not intimidated by the French. And that I think being polite and not being intimidated by them 
is a huge relief for them and um, and works very well. Yeah, I think the, uh, I mean, we could do a whole episode on bonjour, um, but the idea that the French don't do a lot of waving and smiling to say hello. So if I'm passing someone I know on the street, I'll smile at them or I'll wave to them and they'll wave back. But in France, I find that it's more verbal. It's more bonjour, madame. And you're not even smiling too much when you say it. It's not a dead serious face, but it's kind of a, a serious, you know, a, a slightly serious face. Bonjour, you're light, your tone is light, but you're not given the big gigantic American smile where they're like, you know, blinded by the gleam of your teeth. Um, do you, how do you feel about smiling and, and, and in France? Well, I, I'm, I think your observation is very good. And I, but I think also the other thing is that, you know, I, I like to let the French, once I've wound them up a bit, I like the, to get them to come a bit to me because the French don't like over familiarity. And if you're too much in their face, they're like, oh, they're, they're, they will take 10 steps back. The other thing is that um, when I go into a shop or I go into a restaurant or whatever, I will also say bonjour, madame, bonjour, monsieur. And I'll say au revoir, madame, au revoir, monsieur, merci, as I said. And um, the French really appreciate it, but the French do not, as you say, you don't see it written all over their face. I know, I can tell when somebody French is pleased now, but it's not something, it's not, it's a bit of a strange world because at the moment I'm in America and um, it, it's a bit of a, a, a shock to my system because everybody's like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, ooh. And one day when I was in a restaurant in California, somebody, I chose a green salad and they said, what a great choice. That's amazing. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. That I've been living in the States for a good six years now and it still knocks me back the over positivity. So I definitely did not have that issue in France that, and I, I know many Americans, oh, they're not smiling enough. I'm like, no, it's that you guys smile too much. It's, you, you give out your smiles like free candy. Like, come on, we, <laughs> we use our smiles more limited. They, they're more special because of that. So that's kind of... <laughs> no one can see it, but I've got a gigantic smile on my face as these two are talking because I can't help it. It's just, it's in my DNA now. This is culturally what I've been known to expect, which means it's kind of our way of saying, everything's okay. We're not going to hurt you, but you're right, Benny. We're just, we are way, it seems superficial and it's not necessarily, um, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really what we're talking about, isn't it? When we're talking mm -hmm. about learning a language is the fact that we're going into a strange cave. And they and the, and the inhabitants of that cave have different ways of expressing things and different ways of communicating. And so I often think, you know, if I'm learning a new language, I want to know a reasonable amount about what their etiquette is and what they uh, would like. Um, like I heard about in Spain when I was learning Spanish that apparently when you leave someone's house, you can't just put your coat on and walk out the door. You have to sort of, it takes you about half an hour to get out of the door. I don't know whether that's correct. Um, and so that sort of thing that I think means that people feel um, flattered that you have respected their culture enough to want to understand it. And, and that improves your communication. So you could probably only need 50 good words well pronounced rather than 2,000 that you can't pronounce and you put in the wrong order that basically puts people off. So like well, one thing I do want to make sure we, we're touching on because I know it's something a lot of the listeners uh, would be on their minds a lot. 
Um, like I didn't struggle necessarily with the things that Elizabeth was saying where like I, I didn't feel people were smiling at me enough. But I definitely struggled with something that lots of English speaking foreigners have in France that in my first experience in France, I found it very difficult to get momentum in conversations. And I think one issue is, like you said, that um, there was there were etiquette things I just wasn't aware of and I needed time to adjust to that. Others are the the little subtleties like saying, bonjour, madame, as you're entering a, a place. But um, I like what you mentioned about the uh, familiarity that sometimes in France, the, the sense of over-familiarity initially may feel intimidating. And I think one thing that I've naturally done in my language travels is I've tried to express confidence whenever, I, even as a beginner, and this has worked to my advantage in the majority of places I've been. The people have seen I'm not nervous and that nervousness can actually be its own negative thing. But it was kind of the opposite in France. I found that the, my confidence was perceived as arrogance from the French, and especially because they take a lot of pride in the French language, that my particular approach of like, I'll just confidently make mistakes, that really clashed with this French mentality. So I, I had to learn a certain sense of humility when I was like uh, presenting myself in, in France and even my body language that I wasn't implying, oh, my French is perfect. That that completely transformed my experience, that when I changed those those ways of interacting. So like, is that something, uh, Lizzie, that you found yourself that this this kind of confidence in expressing yourself can kind of be a detriment sometimes? Um, I think that I see that more and I can really understand what you're saying because I see it with my um, husband, who my um, this is my second husband. My first husband was French. My second husband is American. So it's quite interesting. Um, he, uh, he I, I hope he doesn't hear this, but his French isn't that great. And, um, and the French love him because he... He's just very calm and he tries and he's he's not over effusive, which is basically what you're talking about, Benny. And I find that they will forgive him because they all love to say, yes, French is a very difficult language. It's a very difficult language. So it amuses me when they say to me, oh, you really don't ever make grammatical errors, do you? And but they they love that. I mean, that's that for them. That's um, that for me. That's a very a big compliment. Um, but I do think that I would never. I agree with you. I would never be too in the there much in their face. And that's why I say about a great tip, even if you are just going to France for a week, um, you know, try and go back to the same cafe. Because if you go back to the same lingerie, the bakers or the cafe or whatever, or the restaurant, they will, they so warm to you. And as I said, they like to give you a good look over. And also the other thing is that we forget, which is quite, is which in the UK and in America is very different. The, the dress, you know, um, the French, of, of course, I'm making a generalization and I'm not talking about students, but, um, you know, when the French actually go out, they do not dress um, slovenly. 
You know, they even if they've got, you know, they have jeans on, they'll have a nice belt, they'll have a, you know, a nice jacket, a scarf or something, but they don't look as if they have just come from a sort of a sleepover. Yeah, the, the uh, yoga pants look in America is another thing that even for me is is an adjustment. Uh, if I go to the supermarket on a Sunday morning, I, I, I won't dress up. I won't put on a tuxedo, you know, but I'll still look somewhat presentable and it's it's certainly an adjustment but i've definitely found in france uh, it goes much further than that and people are um very very presentable and you you do have to adjust to that and um i like what you're saying about like the going back to these same places i think this is one of the reasons the tourists may have a negative experience with french people is because unfortunately you're only having that one brief interaction where you are not adjusting to their cultural uh, differences. And then you'll have another interaction with somebody else and there's just no time to warm up. And it's unfortunate because it's given um, France a bad reputation as being unfriendly for tourists, which is absolutely not true. Because like you said, I found that the French have an excellent humor and they're incredibly warm and very friendly, but it's that's just not what I tend to have as my very first interaction with somebody. And, you know, that that kind of dictates the direction that um, your experience is going to be in the country. So the longer you're there, the better it's going to be. No, I definitely agree with you. And I think that one of the things is that it makes a huge difference um, that our attitude and the French can be grumpy, you know, and. And, you know, it happens that sometimes, you know, the, the, the taxi will be a bit grumpy and I'll go, oh, huh, oh, happiness today. And they're like, mm. And they, and they and I just laugh and then say sometimes they'll sort of like and if I have a grumpy waiter this always makes my husband laugh because they have a grumpy waiter and the grumpy waiter will say um, you know and he, my husband went back to this same place every week okay and um, he said to me this is when we first met and he said could you um, could you do me a favor could you come to this place with me? Because where I go, they're so horrible and they're so miserable. Anyway, so we sat down for lunch and he said, here he comes, here he comes, here comes the waiter. The waiter came in and came up and I said to him, well, I'd like, um, it was all in French, but I said, I'd like my salad and I'd like the sauce, the, the vinaigrette part and I'd like, um, I'd like a, a Diet Coke and I'd like lots of ice. Now, when I say lots of ice, I mean more than three cubes. And I would like this and I would like that. And he looked at me as if to say, who the hell is this? And I went, and if you could hurry up, please, I'd appreciate it. And I looked at him and then I burst out laughing and he screamed with laughter. And every single time we went there for a Sunday, we went there Sunday lunch, he would come beetling over. I'm here. I'm here. How are you today? How are you today? Come and sit over here. This is my section. It was hilarious. And my husband was like, how did you manage that? Well, to be quite honest with you, I've told you every detail, but I, because I just laughed and I wasn't taking his jip. Yeah, I think there's a fine line between um, taking yourself too seriously when you're in a restaurant in, in Paris and, um, and being kind of um, falsely humble. So my husband asked me, he's like, how do I say I don't speak French well? And I'm like, you never say that. You should never say I don't speak French well. It sounds like you're either fishing for a compliment for someone to say how well you speak or the French don't say they're bad at things. They just, they don't, that's not how they speak. So you can say what I say, which is I've been learning French for two weeks. 
because, you know, or three weeks or two years. And that kind of gives them the idea. Yes, I'm sort of a beginner. And so I am humble about it. I'm aware. And I'm still going to tease you when you tease me. And it's once you open up that that little bit of humor, it's amazing the relationship that can be formed in a matter of days, because sometimes I'm only in France for maybe in Paris for four days. But I just go to the same gift shop. If I find there's a store where someone their eyes light up when I come in, then I know that's a good place to frequent again. You know, if I only have four days, otherwise I'll do things that are in my neighborhood. And, but I believe in going where the sunshine is. How do you feel about this idea of, um, false humility, humility, um, that Americans tend when they're, it's not that they're fake. They just, they, we want to soften it by going, Oh, we're not, I'm not that great of a singer, but really I'm very good. Um, how do the French handle that kind of humility? Well, I don't think, I mean, I don't think the French, the French are fairly direct. I don't think they're going to say, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, as you just said, I wouldn't say, oh, I don't, I can't do this or I can't do that. But then on the other hand, you will find all sorts of personality types as you will find all sorts of personality types in the UK or the US or whatever. Um, So, but I, no, false humility is not really the sort of, not something that I was, I come across a lot in France. Yeah. It's not charming. No. You also mentioned that you're really okay with making mistakes, which is why I think you and Benny are like language soulmates and just haven't met yet. Language soulmate. Um, can you tell me your philosophy on being okay with making mistakes? And can you also tell us the story about when you um, told someone at a business meeting that you gave your neighbor a hug? It's a good story. Um, well, the thing is that I think that I, I just, it doesn't matter. Like we forget the language is there for us to be able to communicate. It's, it's not about a demonstration about how brilliant I am. It's just a demonstration about, you know, we're trying to communicate. So I, it's like, well, I'm either going to enjoy life or I can sit there and say, I'm, I can't make a sentence because I might make a mistake. So I can sort of barricade myself in my own miserable, my own miserable life. So, um, I don't know. To me, it's just, I'm a chatty person. So wherever I was, I, you, it would be a bit difficult to keep me down. You know, so I couldn't bear to sit there. You know, the pandemic is horrific for me. Um, but I, I love talking to people and I'm curious. I'm really interested. I love learning about people and who they are and what they do and why they're there and everything like that. And people, people enjoy that. I mean, one of the things I was going to say as well, which was something we discussed before, was that, you know, as in the UK, when we don't know what to talk about, we talk about the weather. Well, in France, if you don't know what to talk about, talk about the food, you know? I mean, the minute everybody starts about discussing food and, and everything like that, everything goes out of the, goes out of the window. So, um, you know, that everybody, everybody has something to say. And it's a fascinating thing how sociable the French are because they, um, every single level of society, whoever they are, they know how to organize to get people together for drinks or get together for a dinner. They will have, you know, they'll get a bottle of wine or they'll get, you know, whatever, whiskey or whatever they want. And they'll get some peanuts out and everybody will sort of have something, have something to eat and drink because they don't drink without eating. I imagine that's a bit similar in most of the Latin countries. And um, they'll all get together for dinner, whether or not it's a barbecue or, and they'll have, you know, they'll have a starter, a main course, a salad and a 
uh, and and a dessert. So it's they're very very sociable. So. And I can't remember now what you were saying to me, Elizabeth, about the um, hug. <laughs> yeah, you were in a business meeting, um, uh, a board meeting, and you had mentioned you had used the I had sent you a text and said, oh, sending hugs. And it was in French. I'm not going to say the French term. And you were back and said, never say that. Never say that, because that means let's let's get under the sheets together. Oh, I know what it was. It was the word. Oh, um, je veux faire un câlin. If you say, you say je veux faire un Benny gets it. If you say to somebody, je te fais un câlin, that means you're proposing sex. That's right. So I proposed sex to you. Yeah. And then you did it at a business meeting. They, I was like, it was somebody, it wasn't actually me who did it. It was an, another American who did it. And they said, oh, you know, um, je vous fais tous un câlin. And the French went, oh, yeah, we'd like that. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's 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 interesting how words can come across differently. And uh, I was part of a couch surfing group, and we actually did. We had a sign that said "They callan gratuit free hugs," and it works in yes. that. It works like that. It, it doesn't necessarily mean free sex, you know. <laughs> um, but another thing, just like uh, in terms of interacting with the the French, that uh, when it comes to things like the service industry, especially American idea. And I certainly had it from, from Ireland as well, of this customer is always right. And I find that in France, they have uh, the translation of that. And I really like this. And instead of the customer is always right, le client est roi, the customer is the king. And you know what the French do to their kings. So this, this is <laughs> this is kind of why I feel like, no, you're not right if you're the customer. And uh, as an example, in Paris, I went to a restaurant once and I saw something on the menu that looked really good, uh, but it had chicken in it and I'm vegetarian. And I asked the, wa- the waiter, can I have this, but just don't include the chicken? And he downright said, no, then it wouldn't be delicious. <laughs> and like, and that just encapsulates perfectly that like I, as the customer, was not right, you know, to request it that way. And it's, uh, it's an interesting different dynamic. And this idea that like the waiter came to me and he was grumpy, like... Uh, you know, maybe just because I, I'm uh, I'm European myself, Northern European, I, I come across that that kind of context very differently. And I think, well, it, you know, it's not his job to be to be a ray of sunshine, you know. And and I've actually found French waiters to be incredibly impressive. I still to this day remember this time uh, in in Paris. I was working as a stagiaire. I was working as an intern there. And we would go to this restaurant for lunch and this waiter would come and he would have no pen or paper and he would ask what everybody at the table wants. And each one of us, like eight of us, he would we would give our orders and then he would go to the next table and take their orders. And then 20 minutes later, he would give exactly the right person exactly what they had ordered. And so like it's... You, you can go to special schools for wait for for waiting tables and things. It's a, a truly a, a profession. Absolutely. And this is why the, the idea of like, oh, you know, this guy is grumpy. How why isn't he serving me like I'm a, I'm a king? That, that concept just really doesn't mesh with the French who have more of an appreciation for people who are doing their jobs that they're not there to, to kind of cater to all your wishes. And that adjustment can also help people who I know have struggled 
with uh, having a bit of a backlash and a clash with French culture. So have you found that in other industries as well? Well, I think that one of the things is as well, you've got to remember that you will see it now in most of the restaurants in Paris, but, you know, vegetarians were like, how could anybody be a vegetarian? I mean, the French were like, oh, my God, this is just a disaster. Because it was, and you you really, I mean, when I first was in France, you know, I never, ever saw a vegetarian dish anywhere. And people, if you took somebody out, I mean, they would just be horrified. And I think you... um, you will find in other industries that the French aren't, I think it's this, the, the notion it's an, um, it's something that's been left over from the revolution that, you know, and this is part of the etiquette thing. It's about politeness. You know, everybody is working and everybody is entitled to be there. You're equal. So you don't talk down to people. It's like, I remember once saying I made a mistake and I said two to the waiter and somebody said and I somebody afterwards had said you know it's very rude to say two to the waiter and I said oh my god I've just said two and they said no but you say it very nicely when people are being very rude to the waiter they say two in a really aggressive manner which really puts them down and so you never get anything (laughs) never get any food anymore but you are right they're very professional and there's this egalitarian thing so sometimes people I would find it particularly in the um car hire car rental and I was telling Elizabeth this that the 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 bane of my existence when I first went to France was that the car rental people would speak to want to speak to me in English and I'm trying to practice my French I don't want them talking to me in English and so I found this perfect solution which is that I spoke to them so fast in English in the weirdest words I could possibly find which there must be some sort of a few suicidal car rental people up in the north of France because they go back into French so I found that was a really good way to actually but I I don't take um when when the French are are uh, funny I don't really take I mean I don't take it I mean I always argue with them because that's another thing that we mentioned um before is the, the a national sport is arguing we all love arguing and dinner parties would not be the same if we didn't argue so it's uh, it's it's quite a it's a very different attitude I think and I have to tell you a very a story I one of the best stories ever I was in a restaurant in Paris one day for lunch the restaurant was packed and there was a client in there he'd ordered a steak tartare which is the raw meat and uh, on the menu it had said that there was 250 grams of steak in this dish. And the client, the customer said, oh, called the waiter over and said, there isn't, that is not 250 grams. And the waiter said, I can tell you it is. Anyway, so he could then, so the waiter went off into the kitchen and out came the owner of the restaurant who said, apparently there's a problem, sir. What is it? And he said, this isn't 250 grams. On the menu, it said 250 grams. And he said, 
hold on a minute. He went back into the kitchen. He brought out the scales. He slammed them on the table. He put the meat on the thing. And he said, you're absolutely right, sir. It's not 250, it's 300. And he took away 50 grams and put it back on the table. And the whole restaurant cheered. <laughs> it was hilarious. That's a really good story. To, to go back, because there are some very beginner French um, learners. And then there are also some people that don't speak French that are listening. When Lizzie said... I don't want a two to my waiter. It means that she's using the informal version of you. So vu is the formal version and you really try your best to use vu when you don't know people. A lot of times it's a good idea to wait till a, a native speaker starts tooing you, starts using the two um, instead of you starting to use the two. How do you feel about that, Lizzie? This whole like when you make the shift from did I did I um explain that well enough the formal vu and the informal too? Oh yes, absolutely. Vu is plural or formal, and to is um, less formal. So you use it to children. You'd always say to to most people, all people who are older. Um, you would say vu. Your friends and family, you'd say to, but in the very old old royalist families they will say vu to their children which is a pretty unusual thing but I mean hardly ever seen today and you uh, I am always I would always err on the side of saying vu when I don't know and obviously in a business situation you would always say vu when it comes to moving over it will depend and a lot of time people will say to you can I say to can we say two now? And they'll ask you. And sometimes, and particularly as a woman, it's more up for the woman to say, you can now say two to me. And I would never be, I, this makes me sound like an old witch, but I will never let a waiter say two to me. If I go in, because sometimes when you're a tourist, they'll sort of, they'll think, or oh, you're a foreigner, they know you're a foreigner they'll sort of be a bit cheeky or whatever. And that's not a good thing. You don't want to, because it just doesn't, it's, it's just not a reflection of the French. It's, it's usually a bit of an uncomfortable situation if somebody's doing anything like that. So how, how have you found as you've expanded into your Spanish, the, the differences in your experience compared to when you were learning French? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a super frustrating thing because, of course, my French, I'm as happy in French as I am in English. So it's like when you start learning a new language, you're like, oh, I can't stand this. I want to go as fluently. But it's like anything, you know, it goes in. You know, if I listen regularly to the radio, I watch the TV in um, Spanish or whatever. And so very quickly with that per consistent perseverance, it goes in. And just as one day I suddenly realized I was watching French TV and I suddenly realized that I understood it, um, the similar sort of thing happened with the Spanish. And, uh, but, I but also I have a natural, I like the Spanish we, we go to Seville a lot and uh, I love the sherry and, and it's the same thing. You know, I'm really passionate about them learning about the Spanish, about the, the food and stuff like that. And so they love it. You know, enthusiasm is a very, I'm very lucky 
to naturally have that enthusiasm, which is which communicates helps communication a lot. Yeah, I, I find that um, <laughs> I find that for me, another trick that I like to do, especially when I'm a very beginner language learner, is I look for non-native speakers in Paris. So when my brain's really tired, I will go to the souvenir shop with the fellow that doesn't speak French as his first language because I know he's going to use simpler words for me. He's going to use simpler sentences because that's really his level. So it doesn't feel like as much of a stretch. So when I really want to get some French action in Paris, but I just don't want to deal with the low speaking or um, different uh, different pronunciations that I might like, maybe the enunciation is a little bit lower than I'm used to. I'll go seek out someone. For instance, there's a few crepe stands that I always go to because I know there's a woman there from Russia and I love talking to her about languages and she's a lot softer because she gets it. She knows how, like you said, how hard it is to learn a language. She remembers it's still fresh for her because she too is learning, is learning French. Um, what are your other s- sneaky ways of getting a little bit of French in when you're tired or when you're feeling a little less secure in your language? Well, I think that that's, I think that I wouldn't speak about French then in that, the, because it, the trouble is it's been a long time that I speak French. And and and, and so um, we travel a lot. And um, I take an example of when we went to Japan or, uh, you know, there are a dozen words that I will learn, you know, which is to say thank you. And I think one of the things that quite often one forgets when one is learning a new language is that we can guess a lot from our situation. So we don't, we even, you know, sometimes it makes me laugh because people in France will ask me to translate a song or something like that. I've heard the song all my life. I could probably sing along, but they asked me to translate it. And I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't do it because it's not because I don't technically know it. It's just that did I pay attention to every single word? I mean, we when we learn a new language, we're so like, oh my God, there are 15 words in that sentence and I must know every single one of them, blah, blah, blah. It, it, you know, we probably don't, we probably don't hear half the words that are said to us. So when we go into a situation and you know that you want to say thank you to people or whatever, you know, I always know how to say please and thank you, hello. And it's much better for me to err on the side of being too pleasant and formal than that will always win me, um, win me brownie points in any country because they're just so pleased that somebody will have taken that time just even to learn a few words. You're right. And it's not like you walk into a store and someone would say clean laundry. Like they're probably going to say hello. Like that's usually what they're saying. They're not asking you about, you know, what are your, what's your political status as you walk into a store? Like in the context, you're probably going to have someone greeting you. Yeah. I mean, it's like if, you know, you answer a phone and you want to ring somebody up, it's like you can say, I can say, I, Benny, por favor. You know, they will know that I want to speak to Benny. And then they're not going to say that. And then if they, if the answer takes longer, that they might be explaining to me that he's not here. And then I know how to say my name is Elizabeth. So, you know, you just say, oh, well, bye. And so, you know, you might not necessarily leave a message, but it's, it's, it's a bit easier. I think we, I think we overcomplicate our lives. A language isn't easy, but it's not as difficult as sometimes we make it out to be because it's about communicating. Absolutely. 
And uh, along those lines, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on something. We ask every guest who's on the on the show, what is your understanding or definition of language hacking? Language hacking. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it's actually understanding a language to a better level, a more a more intrinsic level. I think it I mean, I'm. Yeah, I think that it would be more that. It's like you're getting through to what the essence is and we're not translating literally. So we're really getting through to the to the real in-depth level of communication that we all want. And um, what are your future plans when it comes to language learning and uh, what's what's on your what's on the road for you now? Well, what's on my road to me? I must get back. I've had a pause. I'm doing some renovation work in Paris at the moment. So I've had a pause in my Spanish. So I need to get back onto that. Um, and I think that the next one, I think the next one, I'd really like to start learning to speak Italian. Because, but I stopped Italian because it was very funny because they said that when I was speaking Italian, I had a French accent, which I think is hysterical. And my Spanish teacher told me that to begin with. And I don't because I really want to do use have a language that I'm going to use. And we go quite often to Italy because it's so close. And um, Spanish is so useful because we like going to South America and particularly like going to Spain. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to actually, you know, whichever country I go to or we visit, I will always, as I said, will learn, you know, 10 words, 15 words. But at the moment, my my ambitions are relatively modest. Excellent. I'm learning to speak American. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially since they have the one thing that makes me laugh so much when everybody says I heard a new word the other day and somebody said centrifugal. And I was like, what are they saying? And it was what we say in English, centrifugal, and the Americans say centrifugal. And I was like, wow, that is so, so on my language ambitions, it's definitely American. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and uh, giving us that glimpse into uh, life in France and how you've adjusted to it. I think a lot of people will have found that interesting. And um, if, uh, if you have any links for us for stuff about you online, we'll be sure to share them with people in show notes. And uh, otherwise, uh, thank you so much. And we'll wish everybody very happy language learning. Happy language learning. Yeah. And bonne journée. Hein? Bonne soirée, tout le monde. Bonne journée. <laughs> thank you. It was a great pleasure. That was a great episode with Lizzie and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. And at the end of these uh, these chats, we like to share our takeaways. So uh, firstly, Elizabeth, what did you have as a takeaway from that? Well, I think Lizzie beat you to the punch with language hacking, Benny, because she's like language hacking pre, pre-fluent in three months when she talks about like just figuring out the context and not getting so hung up on the details. That is... She kept saying it, and you and I talk about this all the time, which is it's all about communication. It's not about perfection. And you can create incredible connections with really lumpy, bumpy French, Spanish, or whatever other language you're learning. So I I really have that as an incredible takeaway. Absolutely. And for me, I reflect a lot on my own personal experience in France and the dramatic change that happened from that first several months to when I felt like I finally started to understand the French. 
And I was thinking of it in the context of my confidence and how I was expressing that. But I really liked what Lizzie mentioned about the over-familiarity, which is uh, very off-putting to the French. And I feel like, you know, maybe that's partly just Irish culture that we tend to be very familiar with people and like very friendly when we first meet them. And uh, that kind of overlaps with confidence in a way. But I think that she really hit the nail on the head for uh, expressing what I feel was holding me back, that I was trying to be familiar with people. I was trying to be close to them and feel friendly with them as a way to to melt away any any of the stress of like talking to a stranger and uh, the confidence of, of kicking off a language. And I would still recommend anyone listening, try to take that approach with the vast majority of languages and cultures. France just happens to be, and not, not, not most of France, mostly Paris, uh, the rest of France kind of eases off a lot. But I think that understanding of not being too familiar, uh, not being too feeling too friendly with someone the moment you meet them is what may actually be uh, holding you back from being able to express yourself in French. So having a little bit more of a level of formality beyond just the difference between tu and vous and actually understanding that cultural difference for anyone who's had issues speaking with French people uh, beyond the uh, challenges of learning the language keeping that in mind may make a big difference to your experience because it certainly did with mine. So that, that kind of uh, her, um, her way of expressing it really hit the nail on the head for me there. So with that in mind, um, thank you everybody for listening. And again, if there's any, um, anything, we'll share that with you in the show notes and uh, until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the language hacking podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.